As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey guys, this is WNBA Hall of Famer Cheryl Swoops, and you're listening to Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt. Oh my gosh! You guys have no idea how excited I am to have Cheryl Soups, one of the first big three, at least in the WNBA, of the Houston Comets with the intro. Thank you, Cheryl. I will forever be grateful for you paving the way as a women's basketball player for what my career turned out to be. And now, with that said, we turn the page to today's podcast. This week on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, our guest is a big-time influencer, in her role as the social media boss lady for NBA TV. She's young, smart, and you know her from her work, even if you don't know her name. She's at the scores table, ready to check in. So Darlene, let's get this thing rolling. Buckets, Boards and Blocks is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Buckets, Boards and Blocks is hosted by a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a well-executed fade screen and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. A lover of threes in transition, Monica McNutt. Thanks, Darlene. You have the best intros. All right, Morgan Mitchell. She has a huge hand in the NBA's social presence from NBA TV. Um, And many of you listening are among the 4.4 million followers that NBA TV's Twitter account has. Um, She's working it from behind the scenes and in other roles with Turner and and NBA television. Um, Morgan is also on Facebook and has her own show, No Timeouts, where she and her co-host Marcel are in front of the camera. Um, My good girlfriend is taking over. She's doing her thing. Oh, yeah. And she's super proud of her Clemson roots. Hey, Morgan. Hey, girl. (laughs) Um, How are you? I'm great. How are you? Girl, you know what time it is. It's it's grind time. We're in the throes of basketball season. I know that you just had a fantastic weekend in Chicago. If you could give me a word on All-Star Weekend, what would it be? It would be love. I think Chicago just showed a lot of love. Um, I think the events were set up beautifully. I think people working the events are amazing. I think the players and everyone involved were really into it. And it was just it was just love. So it's crazy, Um, it's still crazy to face, I guess, or even grasp the fact that Kobe Bryant is no longer with us. But how was that part of it, being there in Chicago? Obviously, that was a huge cloud. Um, But was it more celebratory or was it sad? Like, what was that vibe like? It was definitely more celebratory. I think, you know, there's different stages of grief. And I think the NBA is trying to help people um, not, like, get over anything but move through it in a positive way and remembering and celebrating his legacy and we know he would have been at all-star right like that's not a thing that we have to guess about he was going to be involved in some way shape or form so I think the 24 seconds that Candace and D Wade had everyone cheer for was beautiful I think it was so there were so many touching tributes from Jennifer Hudson and Chance the Rapper and just common like everybody was just speaking about how much wonderful positive energy that he put into basketball and his passion. So it was about celebrating that um, and trying to think of it as a positive way, especially with the new rule changes that we know he would have been happy about. Um, I'm glad to hear that. I did think obviously from 
screen side watching on television you weld with emotions at different points but i'm glad that it was more celebratory and not sad and a burden all right but you bring me to my next point you talked about the rule changes from where you were on the ground nba tv partnership with nba all of that like I didn't realize that people took so much issue with it going into the game. I was kind of like, okay, great. Like it's all-star weekend. Why not? Let's try it. People have a hard time with change. I think that's it. And I think that unless you saw the game, it was hard to just like understand what was going to be happening just based off of the written um, communication. Right. Because if you're not a big fan of oh let's do things differently then yeah you were gonna have some issue with it but as we saw it made for a super exciting game it was fantastic and i know for me i watched the tbt in the summer and so i was familiar with the elam ending and chris paul's team that he's a big fan of so i knew that it would work out i did not anticipate how competitive the guys would actually take it though because i still felt like they might be like oh well whatever you know it's just it's still all-star weekend yeah, I think just having the kids from the charities there, and I can't remember who was it. I think it was Mark Spears who tweeted out, whoever thought of having those kids sitting in those great seats during that game was a genius. Because when you can actually see the people that are benefiting from your efforts and things like that, it helps. And it makes it so you're maybe more passionate than you would be. Just like if you theoretically hear of the charity, you might be helping. So it's funny. I saw that tweet from Mark, too, and we actually had him on two pods ago. But on TV, it just sounded like the kids were cheering. Was it just the kids or what was it like the arena? No, everyone was cheering. The kids were just the loudest. And because they're kids, they have a higher pitched voice. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it was the pitch that was resonating more. But when I tell you the arena was just full of energy. Like, especially in that fourth quarter, it was just crazy. Everyone was hanging on to every point because you understood the weight of every basket. Oh, my gosh. That they that was a really well done this year. They crushed it. Agreed. 100%. Okay, so, but here's the deal. We know that you are able to put your fingerprint on the NBA social accounts. You got to tell me what were the most memeable or gold moments from All-Star? Because I know, in my opinion, it was... Dwayne Wade and Reggie Miller reacting to one of the dunks during a dunk contest when they were like jumping all over each other about to fall out the chair. Yeah. Well, I think it was, Oh, that might've been buddy Heald's three point. Um, I think that's when maybe they did that. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So buddy Heald, it literally was, I love three point contests just because like nobody affects it, but you it's you in the basket. Um, so that was when they went crazy over that. And like, I was standing near, um, buddy's family. So his sister was like going hard and with him for every single shot. So it was just beautiful to see, but I think D Wade and Reggie for that. And then just D Wade standing up, I think it was dunk contest. Um, that's been a huge memeable moment too. He, the one where his jaw kind of dropped, like he couldn't really react. Right. Yes, like just the shock. Okay, so how, talk to me about the dunk contest, though, because you're on the floor. We hear mm-hmm. on TV D-Wade being like, I'm about to walk off. Like, it's over. It's over. And then he's like, they told me to sit back down. Like, what in the arena, was that as nuts as it felt on TV? I think that they put on an amazing dunk contest. I think Aaron Gordon um, really showed his bag and what he had to offer. And I think 
a lot of people didn't really know who was gonna win because it was a lot of like personal preference right like that's how the dunk contest always is if you were a dunker and you think you could have done that dunk then maybe you don't score somebody as well as oh my gosh this is amazing i've never seen this before oh my god the i so what was like you're around the players did mm-hmm. folks on the floor agree with the ruling like how did that go I think it was a respect thing because nobody was out there like openly being rude or mean or anyone. Cause at the end of the day, those are still your peers, right? So you don't want to hate on anybody and make anyone feel like they didn't deserve the hard work and effort that they put into that competition. Because at the end of the day, both guys just went out and dunked the best that they could. And it was left in the judges hands. So the players were just super hype on every dunk and super supportive. Like, as you saw, they were all up on the court, (laughs) trying to get them to move back. And also I didn't, I, you know, that they're tall, but when you're trying to like record things over them, it's just, it's pretty impossible. So (laughs) it was like a respect thing. They really respected how great the level of competition was. Um, what was probably your favorite takeaway from the weekend? Um, in previous years, I hadn't been on the court, um, collecting content and stuff. And this year we actually got to have, um, some people shadow me, some, um, students from the Obama foundation. And I think, I think you forget how cool all-star is when you're working it because you're just going from one event to the next, to the next, Um, So seeing All-Star through the eyes of someone who's never experienced it before and how magical it actually is, I think was just really humbling for me. Um, And I'm so glad that that experience happened because I I had just gone into work mode like we're just trying to survive Friday just to make it through Saturday, just to get through Sunday, as opposed to really taking in how amazing it is to have the top basketball players in the world under one roof showcasing their abilities that is actually fantastic so so look though i think the other part of it is we work in sports and so you're right you're kind of focused in this is cool but it's also my job and so i need to do it well but i think the average fan maybe doesn't realize how many other events are happening at all-star whether it be nba cares or whatever so like just run us through like kind of the weekend for you what that looked like for your schedule My schedule was a little bit different because it was mostly just the things that were covered on television, but I cannot tell you the amount of activations that go on during All-Star. Like, to your point, NBA Cares, they had um, President Obama there, which I know everyone, like, you saw people, like, doing, like, Dapology (laughs) and all those different things. Um, There's so many different charitable events that go on during All-Star because, The NBA wants the communities that they're going into to feel appreciated and to get the benefits of All-Star Weekend, right? There's so many people, there's so many influential people there, and these kids, they need that. So I think the CARES events, there's also just cool, like, Michelin S did, like, a cool event, Bleacher Report did a cool event, had, like, Quavo perform. Um, There's different pop-ups throughout the city, but they're all just to show love and to celebrate. It, it definitely seemed like it was a really good weekend, despite the frigid temperatures. I was cracking up at the at Twitter when it was like, is it really that cold in there because of that huge coat that Kim had on? <laughs> um, I can't express to you how surprising it was. Like, I knew it was going to be cold, 
But the first day we got there, like people's flights were delayed and stuff because of the weather, because there wasn't any visibility. And it was I don't know if cold affects planes, but I know I was cold, but it got better. Like Sunday was the warmest day um, of the weekend. But the weather was honestly not awful because Chicago knows how to deal with weather. It was just all of us visiting that weren't prepared. And you were inside though, right? Like you just gotta walk. Yeah, car. Yeah, you're not walking car, around. Yeah, you're just going to your ride and then going from building to building. Like you're not walking miles and miles. And I think like for other cities, we like it when everything is walking distance, um, just because it's easier to kind of move around. But for Chicago, it kind of helped that it wasn't, so that we could get rides. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get it. It was, honestly, it was, I feel like it was the most memorable All-Star Weekend that I can think of in recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, it was definitely my favorite that I've attended. But do, So do we think it goes up from here or was this year so unique? Maybe impartially, maybe partially due to Kobe. I don't know. I think that Chicago is such a basketball city. I think Kobe affected everything so greatly. Next year is going to be different, um, but maybe with the 75 years and all that stuff coming up, that maybe that's just a different, um, I think every city has a different personality, right? So you never know, but Mm -hmm. this has been amazing. And I think uh, Kobe definitely did impact it. Hey, Morgan, uh, this is Bruce, uh, Monica's loyal sidekick uh, slash producer. And I was actually in Chicago for All-Star Weekend as well. And uh, I know next year it's going to be going to Indianapolis. And that's a much smaller city than Chicago. So, But but I think it kind of speaks to what the NBA, what you mentioned earlier, in that the league wants to kind of spread it around because it would be real easy to say, L.A., Miami, New Orleans, whatever. But it takes a little bit more confidence, I think, in the – business side of things to say Indianapolis, Salt Lake City. I mean, what are your yeah, thoughts on that? I think Indianapolis is so I grew up playing volleyball and I know that Indianapolis can um, accommodate major events like they've done in NCAA and like all these different things. And I think that the NBA looks at places that love basketball, which obviously Indiana does and looks at places that have that base of understanding of this is what a big event looks like. Um, So I'm not super worried about Indianapolis. Um, I think out of all the ones that are coming up, just because I haven't really been there, but besides one time, like Salt Lake is going to be interesting for me, but they do Sundance, but I know that's in Park City. So you know what I mean? Like, I've been to Indianapolis. I know they love basketball, and I know they know how to handle major crowds. Park City is gorgeous. I hope they figure it out. (laughs) I think so. I don't think the league would uh, pick any place that they were like, oh, this is going to be a bust. 100%. Bruce, any more All-Star revelations? Uh, You know, I... One of the things that I took away from from the weekend that was so memorable to me was... um, Commons performance on Sunday prior to the game with the introductions and everything. Mm-hmm. I'll admit, I'm outside the demographic for your classic hip hop audience. I'm a little bit older. You're uh, just kidding, well, right, Bruce? A little bit older, just a touch. Just a, anyway, but I was so impressed. I mean, he was, to me, that was like, you know, I know Kyle Lowry giving up the body, taking charges in the fourth quarter was pretty impressive, but I thought Common was amazing. 
Oh my goodness. The response he got from social media was amazing. Everyone's like, let's have come and do it every year. The intros were so good. And it, it was a performance. Like it was amazing. I'm a fan. I like Common's music anyway, but I just thought he did a beautiful job paying tribute to that city and also introducing everyone. Some of those names, I'm sorry. Some of those, sorry, Monica. Some of those names are pretty hard to like rhyme perfectly. I mean, it's mm -hmm. tough to rhyme like Doncic, you know, but I thought he did, even on those, I thought he did an outstanding, outstanding effort on those. Yeah, his voice is just so melodic that it felt like it wasn't a song, but because he's such a great performer, it felt kind of like that. So everything just flowed really beautifully together. I totally tweeted, Common could be rhyming about my grocery list and he would have me captivated because you're right. He just has that kind of presence and that voice and you just can't turn away. But I do want to touch on that, though, because, again, we talked about things that I think made this All-Star unique, and we've obviously talked about Kobe. But I thought what they did for D-Wade was incredible as well. And Common's performance was a big piece of that. Yeah, I think because Chicago is Chicago and the way that they have such a strong basketball presence, um, just everyone in the league knows about I think they really leaned into Chicago basketball and what makes Chicago basketball special. And not every city has the caliber of players that have come out of Chicago. Um, and I think the pride is really what the big thing was that resonated. And D Wade, his first year um, from playing and on the other side of things in a broadcast role. And I just think everyone leaned into how much, he's done and kept the celebration going for his legacy of being a Chicago Hooper. Where was D Rose? Um, I'm not sure. I know he did a lot of other events and he was around, but he could have been taking some time to have a break as well. I since I think, you know, a lot of rumors were, or a lot of people were trying to get him in the all-star game and stuff, but maybe he just wanted to relax. And I think it's kind of, there's there's not a lot of older former player or older players, current players that come to just watch the all-star game, right. but like the young guys come and they stay the whole time and they hang out for every event. I think the older players understand how important that rest is. So he came, he did some stuff. And then I think he was like, all right, I need to take this break. Got it. Yeah, no, I, I totally um, respect that. Okay. So let's just talk about this though, Morgan, speaking of Chicago and Chicago zone, we love Chance the Rapper involved in all the dunks. I thought Chance had fun in his performance. I have never seen a performance from Chance that I did not enjoy, just because he seems like he's have, having such a good time. But the two beats of Ultralight Beam that we got had to be <laughs> the biggest pump fake, because I definitely thought Chicago was about to put on for old Kanye. Uh, I can't, I cannot express to you how hurt everybody was thinking that Kanye was going to perform, especially when he showed up on Sunday and like there were rumors and everyone was hoping and you know, I'm with you. I was really hoping for some old Kanye, um, but chance held it down and he did a great job. He definitely held it down. He held it down as a prop in the dunk contest as well. And his performance. Okay. So I think we have recapped all-star weekend enough. Anything else, any other gems you have to drop? No, I think that's it. All right, so I do make it a point on this pod when I have um, guests, particularly women, and of course, women of color, uh, we want to share a little bit of your story, how you got to where you are, 
um, sort of gems along the journey. Um, so you have this fantastic role, like you pointed out, um, at NBA TV. You get a chance to work alongside your dad. You're covering the league. Just kind of how did you get there? And was this something that you always aspired to get to? Not at all. Um, if you would have asked 12 year old me what I was going to be doing when I grow up, it was going to be nothing involved with the NBA. Um, honestly. Really? Yeah, I knew that I loved sports and TV. I grew up playing everything. Went to Clemson, as you mentioned, uh, played volleyball and really wanted to do like sports marketing. But I liked football a lot and I understand how time consuming basketball is. So I wasn't really super gung-ho on, yeah, I'm going to go into NBA stuff. But um, I started with just trying to figure it out after graduation and did some like weird, odd jobs. Like I worked at Guest. I did a lot of volleyball coaching. I was an administrative assistant at like a gym. Um, And then what happened? Oh, got my real estate license. And finally I was like, okay, what do I like doing? I like sports and I like TV. So I got a freelance job at Turner, um, and did that for a while, then got on with NBA summer league. Uh, and they put on an amazing, amazing experience for interns. Um, and I ended up connecting with some of the Turner people and, um, then I kind of got hired. And what was funny is like, I didn't tell my dad, about any of it um just because I really have I not I guess this is everyone maybe not everyone but I really wanted to get my job on my own so I didn't tell him I had applied for the Turner position or anything um I just kind of popped and I had been to the studio before just to see him and so I knew a couple people but I was like hey guess what I got a full-time job which he had been begging me to do um for a while and yeah that's the rest is kind of history okay so you got to turner how old were you when you got to turner um i started freelancing there when i was probably like 25 okay yeah and basically i was just like logging games and like doing stuff like that so it wasn't any and i was also a runner so if we had talent come in and they wanted food i would order and get them whatever they wanted and just kind of be around to help so the boom, like literally you've been front and center for the boom of social media. Yeah, like when I first um, started, I got some internships in sports marketing and that's where social media used to feed into. Um, there wasn't, social media was nothing like it is now. People were not making money off of it or anything. So I worked at the Atlanta track club interning and they put on like this big race called the Peachtree road race. They were like, Oh yeah, we'll just do some social stuff. So I would just say, okay, tickets go on sale at this time. And we would do that for Facebook and Twitter and try to create conversations. But I think Instagram started during that time and we made one, but we didn't know what we were doing. So, uh, you mentioned, uh, and, uh, that your dad, Sam Mitchell, uh, former player, former coach, current TV personality. Um, he had an amazing journey to get from where he started to where he got. I mean, he had all kinds of obstacles in the way, but he always overcame everything. And it is one of the most positive people that I've ever met in the business or in life, as a matter of fact. What are some of the lessons that he stressed to you as you were kind of finding your way in the world? 
Um, my dad's tough. Um, and like I call him crazy just because I'm like, you're a lot just <laughs> watching him interact in the world. Um, but really just being strong and being confident in who you are and what your value is. I think growing up, we never felt unloved. We never felt like we weren't capable of achieving. And when I say we, I mean me and my sisters. We never felt like we weren't able to achieve anything we wanted to do. And I think just, I call it like blind confidence. I really think I can do whatever I want to do. And for better or for worse, um, it just came from him always telling us that we could. So Kevin Garnett, among other people, had always given your dad credit for being a mentor as a veteran player to a young player, um, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So it was logical that he'd move into coaching eventually. Did he ever coach any of your teams when you were younger? No. Um, his schedule wasn't great for that. And then we didn't really. So when we lived in Minnesota, my elementary school went up to sixth grade. So I didn't play like organized, organized sports. I just did like after school program and stuff like that. And then when he retired, we moved back to Georgia. And that's when he kind of started picking up the coaching career. So he was in Milwaukee and Charlotte and Brooklyn, like in Toronto. So he wasn't, um, we didn't move to all those different cities because we were in high school at this point. And I think my parents were trying to create some stability and set, because, you know, for new coaches, you move around a lot before you find a home. Um, so I think they were just trying to get us through high school with some stability before, um, instead of traveling everywhere all the time. Okay. So you are now the expert in new media, if you will. And your dad kind of still works in the linear world, right? Regular TV. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Does, do, uh, do you now give him pointers and do you give him coaching on how he can do better at his job now that he's in your world? Uh, no, because he does not do social media. <laughs> and he has like accounts. I, I know he has a Twitter account, but at this point, I'm like, this is not going to happen because he had one for a minute and I don't, and it wasn't like him tweeting his thoughts. It was like people just tweeting like when he was on air and stuff. It was like his agent, I think. So we talked about it and like he gets really excited. And then when I actually am like, okay, well, it's time to do it. He's like, oh, I'm too old. I'm not doing that. No one cares. Da, 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 da. So we've had this argument multiple times. He's like, oh, well, you could just run mine for me. I was like, I don't speak like you. The whole point is people want to hear from you, not me pretending to be you. Nobody sounds like Sam except Sam. Exactly, which what I try to tell him, and he's like, "Ah, oh, no, I'm fine." So I'm that like, is okay. so funny. That's hilarious. All right, so Morgan, you've got this position now. I know you've got some new things on the horizon. Obviously, girl, we're rooting for you out here for Black Girl Magic. But I guess for me, and you mentioned it at All Star Weekend when the kids from the Obama Foundation got to hang out with you, we we've gotten to a point where like younger women will reach out. And there, there's like how, or not even like just open-ended how, but what can I do to get there? I have found that the biggest key is to keep putting one foot in front of the other and be mindful to take yourself with you wherever you go so that your reputation precedes you in a positive way. Um, mm -hmm. Because, I mean, you just said it, your path too wasn't a straight line. I mean, what, what would be your piece of advice to other young women trying to get in the business? Um, I tell people like, 
if you don't know what you want to do, that's fine. But you need to figure out what you don't want to do. Mm. Um, because I think everyone knows like your path changes and the things that you want or don't want or whatever, that's constantly changing, but it's so overwhelming to be like, I only want to do this one thing. And if I don't get there, then I'm done. Like you don't learn and you don't grow from that. So just figure out what you don't want to do. Take any opportunity that could teach you and have you grow. And I think my biggest thing now is I see a lot of younger people not wanting to do the humbling jobs, like cleaning up trash at summer league was not my favorite activity, but had I not done that, I would not have met the people that I met and I wouldn't have the relationships that I have. Like my, the people that I work with now, they call me miss summer league because I know everyone. I speak to everyone. And it's just one of those places that because I put in a lot of hard work there and positive energy, um, that now I have people reaching out to me for different things and wanting to work with me for different things. And I think it's okay to not be where you want to be. And I know social media makes people want everything to look super glamorous, but it doesn't have to because your favorite people didn't have glamorous beginnings necessarily um, and had to work their butt off to get to where they are now by doing the stuff that they probably didn't really want to do. Ooh, girl, amen. The beginnings are what all of us. I can relate. Okay, so look, I know you've got your show, No Timeouts. To me, that speaks to this idea of balance in our industry, right? And I'm I'm all for our having passion projects alongside of our crazy hours and whatever else. So talk to me about No Timeouts. Where did that come from for you? No timeouts is me and um one of the guys I work with he was already doing a show like Marcel and honestly one of our friends Torrance was like I know Morgan you want to do something Marcel's already doing stuff why don't you guys connect um so it started off with us just doing like quick little videos and all this stuff talking about basketball and music and fashion like things that we care about and how they all intertwine because obviously now they all do um, especially watching Dame perform at All Star was just look how far we come as a culture. Oh my god, um, we got to come back to that. But go ahead. But yeah, so we just talk about the things that we really care about and that we think are pushing culture forwards in the NBA, in football, like in just sports that we care about in general. Um, so now we've put in a lot of energy and effort and put more finance into it. We have a great videographer, great editor, great audio. We have a producer and it looks a thousand times better than it used to look, but it started a little rough and we just kept doing it because we genuinely love talking about these things that matter to us. Is that something that you would say for you? Like, I love this um, phrase. Missy Franklin said it at an event I was at. One of her swimming coaches used to say it. She said, mm -hmm. find things that fill your well outside of your primary focus. Would you say that the pod is or the show is something that fills your well? Yeah, 100%. And I think it took me a long time to create balance within my life, um, which I didn't really have for a while. Because once you get into this industry, you're in grind mode and everything Ooh. you do goes into that mm -hmm. to the point where you say yes to everything. Your time is all into it, but you love it. Um, but now I'm hitting an age where I'm like, okay, what other things fulfill me? And that's one of them. I want to get back into coaching because I think giving back to young women is so important. And I had such amazing coaches in my career that 
I think that that's something that makes me feel like I'm doing good for the world and not just helping me. I love that. But Morgan, if you figure out how to get coaching back into your schedule, let me know. And so I can copy whatever you do. Cause I would love it to will, it will not be, I used to head coach travel teams and some high school teams. It won't be that again, but I think even just going in a couple hours a week and like helping doing yeah. some clinics, doing stuff like that. Um, I think that's helpful too. Cause you really just miss having a lot of women in your corner in yeah. every sport. There's a lot of male coaches, um, even with volleyball. And I think just having young women there that understand you, that can talk to you about college and like you played in college. So I'm sure there's just some conversations you could have with some young yep. women yep. that they would find really important that they can't have with other people. A hundred percent. You're absolutely right. Okay. So I want to go back to Dane, but before we do that, the beginning of this month in February, we celebrated National Girls and Women in Sports Day, which was phenomenal. Um, you played volleyball. How much of your experience as a student athlete has shaped who you are today and what have you taken from your experience as a best, as a volleyball player, excuse me, and you still use today in your career? Everything. Um I think the way I work now is in such a team setting, like everything we do is collaborative, right? Like nobody's out here on an island. So learning when to pick your spots, when to lead, when to follow, um, how to execute, how to talk to different people. I think that's something like communication is a big thing that people are missing. Not everyone understands things the same way. Not everyone processes things the same way. So being able to communicate to different types of people I learned that from being, you know, when you're on a team, those are not always your best friends. Those are a bunch of people that are thrown together that happen to be good at one thing, which a lot of times is like the working world. It's a bunch of people thrown together who have one common goal, but they all get there in different ways. And I think just learning that and learning how to trust myself and how to um, own my actions has been super helpful um, and just becoming a better person, which I learned through sports. We love that. I love, and I think it's so important for girls to stick with it. Um, I would, mm -hmm. girls, if you get back into coaching, I get back into coaching. Let's have a whole coaching initiative of girls. I that, would love that. I mean, it's, I would love fantastic. that. I mean, I can't, I'm with you. Like so much of who I am is because I was an athlete, but okay. You mentioned Dane and I know from me on Twitter, I am not a music connoisseur. Well, I don't want to say connoisseur. I enjoy music, but I'm that not. Works. Uh, yeah. Okay. Can I say that? I'm not like, oh, this was trash because X, Y, Z, like I'm about to whip out this verse from so-and-so that crushes it. I personally really enjoyed Dame just off strength of I can't do that. And it sounded like, you know, it was music. It didn't sound like he got up there and was playing around in his backyard. And then, of course, Lil Wayne comes out. So, like, it was legit. But how was that received? It was received so well. I think people were just proud of him because it was already sad that like he was injured so he couldn't really play. Mm -hmm. um, but the fact that he was still around, still supporting his team, and I'm not going to lie, I was so nervous for him um, just because I've never seen him perform. I've heard some of his songs, like heard his like little beef with Shaq or whatever, <laughs> but I just wanted him to do well so badly because I think that opens the door for so many other players who have other passions. Like he got to showcase what he's passionate about besides basketball on the biggest stage he could. And I hope that that just encouraged other players to be like, look, I'm not just a hooper. Um, just like how LeBron's like, it's more than basketball. So just being able to showcase all the things that make these people 
special and all the different gifts that they can give to the world besides just basketball? So my one suggestion, because I, I totally enjoyed it, and I can't get into West Coast, East Coast music, whatever. I enjoyed it. My one suggestion was he's got to get Vic in there on like a hook and so they can do it together next time. Yes, I think that would be amazing. Vic Oladipo, folks, if you don't know. Is Sings, was on Mass Singer. <laughs> drop, I think he just dropped a single not that long ago. I got to look. Because the first time, because he's from the DMV, and I like sort of knew that he sang, but then I think the clip, I was it two years ago in the playoffs? Yeah. He, was hurt he had like an EP or something that he dropped. Yes. He's like very Mr. GQ and also sings. All right, Morgan. Well, we are so appreciative for your time. But this is how we wrap up here on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. And I will let you decide where you want to pull your bucket, board, or block from, whether it be All-Star Weekend, NBA, being a woman in sports, whatever you choose. But you have to pick one, either a bucket, a board, or a block. We just need one. The bucket is the A++ thing. You want more of this. Bring it all. Bring it all. The board is kind of like a rebound. At first glance, it might not impress you, but there's some silver lining to it. And then the block is the thing that you don't want to see any more of. Get that out of here. It's trash. Ooh. Um, I think I'm going to go with a board. Okay. And for my board, I think that I would like to see uh, more minorities. And I, when I say that, I don't just mean black people, um, but I think more minorities getting opportunities to be involved in an NBA space. Okay. Um, we talk about how global we are we are as a as the NBA and all these things and I would just love to see that represented um a lot more um I just want to dig into that a little bit deeper what how do you mean just in like front office team media directors just all of it I think all of it because when you look at um all the people who put in their time energy and effort into making a team a lot of times those people don't look like the teams don't look like, like, okay, perfect example would be um, if we look at the Atlanta Hawks, they do a really good job of speaking to their communities, right? Like they have a lot of diversity within that organization, but they worked hard to do so. So when you go and you walk around State Farm Arena, you see a lot of people that look like Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um and I would like to, and that doesn't mean just like, oh, there's more black people here. Like there's Hispanic people here. There's Asian people here. There's everyone here. And I love going to that arena and feeling like I'm in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just want different people to be able to get opportunities in sports that necessarily wouldn't think it's for them. More depth to the diversity. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, Morgan, thank you so much for hopping on the pod. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited that I got to do this. Girl, me too. I was like, let me see where Morgan is. When you said yes, I was like, bet, we'll lock in. (laughs) (laughs) It was perfect timing. Full stop. Okay, peeps. Morgan was fantastic. Thanks again for her time. But before we wrap up this episode of BBB Pod, we're adding a quick round of knockout. Bruce, you ready? Boom. All right, so just knocking out a couple topics that we love. Shout out to Kim Mulkey, head coach of number two ranked Baylor Lady Bears basketball. She becomes the fastest coach to reach 600 wins, doing it in less than 700 games. 
the quickest to get there on both the men's and women's side. Speaking of college coaches, the college ranks may be getting one back. Bruce, as John Beeline and the Cleveland Cavs are parting ways. Well, you know, if John Beeline was going to get to 600 wins with the Cavaliers, he'd have to live to be about 120. So unfortunately, that's not happening. I think he's an example of what happens when you're used to coaching young guys who don't have any financial clout or anything. And now all of a sudden you got to coach guys that are, um, you know, professionals. Right. And I think they bristle against some of the maybe hands on, perhaps seen as condescending rules that a college coach would have doesn't work in the NBA. That stuff doesn't play. So John, you're 67 years old. Uh, maybe uh, you can follow the Larry Brown route and just be invited around to help spread wisdom, but not with any official title. But meanwhile, a couple people with official titles, also known as Hall of Famers, they got a little something going on, Monica. What's that all about? They do indeed. Some ACC love. This was actually a running joke, but apparently there's real truth to it. And I'm super proud of both Muffet McGraw and Roy Williams for owning the fact that their programs are having slightly uncharacteristic years, but they are going to get through it. And they have formed what is called a support group. Actually, I've called two of Notre Dame's games now, and I have one more this Sunday. And Muffet said herself, she's like, you know, at the beginning of the year, I thought it would be cool to learn and teach again. But now I just keep saying, well, when are they going to actually get it? When are we going to turn the corner? Um, so uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, Bruce. They're getting better as coaches. <laughs> I just want to, I, I, I can hear them breaking out into a chorus of kumbaya. <laughs> All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Thanks again to our guest, Morgan Mitchell. The NBA TV Twitter account is rolling along with more than 4.4 million followers, and Morgan has had her hand in that. Um, we look forward to seeing what her team comes up with next and what's next for her in her career. Thanks also to my producer and loyal sidekick, Bruce Bernstein, and our fantastic editor, Ben Wolfen. Please check out our other Pure Hoops media shows, Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin drops each Wednesday. The Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman drops each Friday. Mike Wise swings by each Monday with the Mike Wise Show. His recent show with Hall of Fame coach Larry Brown featured a lot of great stories about my fellow Hoya, Allen Iverson, the one and only. And our newest show is Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams each Tuesday. They have college hoops covered as we head into March Madness. Please download, rate, and review all of our shows. It really makes a difference. We'll see you all next week. And until then, enjoy your hoops. Buckets, Boards and Blocks with Monica McNutt has been a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. 